Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The group as a whole, I think, has shown that they've been able to come in here and, and, and A, the game isn't too big for them, that they fit athletically, skill set wise, and then B, that the coaches have shown their ability to put their trust in them and, and to work them in. I think you guys have seen a lot of these young guys working in, not just playing time wise, but working in there with the first group, second group, and, and they're getting caught up to speed quickly. So I think it's surprising to have, I guess, such a big class and, and, and have majority, if not all of them, kind of show that they're ready to go. Uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with these guys. And, and I, I mean, Steve and, and EB and Coach, Coach Reed would be the first ones to say that um, we like where we're at right now, but to get to where we need to be, there's still a lot of work ahead of us. Hey, what up, fellas? Back at it again. I see you, uh, BK. I see you, Serta. Uh, as we get ready for the uh, the best damn Chiefs podcast in the world. Uh, we have to say world because there's so many, so many. Uh, I, I thought I saw one up in Germany. Uh, there was one in New Zealand. Two guys. Uh-huh. like... I believe the Chiefs are the Germany team. Like, what? For- yeah, I think there's one in Germany, New Zealand, um, South Africa. I don't know about that. I don't know. And I think one in, in, in uh, just a, a, another portion of Africa. Uh, I believe Zaire. I think. Mm, yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. Tony and Tommy do that one. So, yeah, but I mean, so <laughs> many, so many around. This is This is clearly the best one. Uh, are you fellas ready for this? Like, like this is it. This is the last week that there's not like straight up real game football for the Chiefs, the rest of the league until February. Like, this is a, this is, I mean, it's strapping on. I mean, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is the time. I hope, I hope you're well rested. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go on a little vacation real quick. To get myself really prepared, where where are you going? I'm flying to Denver tomorrow, and then I'll be back on Sunday to get prepared for the regular uh, season. I am not I'm ready s- for the regular season to start. I'm ready for fantasy football to start, but regular season comes with a lot of work. But BK, so I'm so I'm so proud of him. He is a uh, he's a driver, and um, for him to take it upon himself to get on a plane now and not just get in his car and just try to drive to places like Denver and New Orleans, which is his natural thought. I'm so happy for you. You have really grown up, Steve, because that sounds horrible. The last time you went to Denver, you drove and it was horrible. But I remember talking to you on the way back, and I am so proud of you. Just get out, just here, just get on a plane. I'm telling you, it's so much better. Just do it. I'm proud of you. I can't believe you used to be a driver. I can't believe it took you this long to get to the place where you're willing you, to just. When did you uh, stop? I mean, I, I mean, the paychecks from SB Nation help quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. no, to hell with it. Uh, w- when did you stop, BK? Driving after college. Yeah. A- after college, I was ready to to start flying. Now, there, there are spots where like it's just such a nuisance. Like we go to Gulf Shores every once in a while, and there's like no way to get there via plane. That's easy. So we'll drive down there and what's listen, that? Gulf Shores? How long is that? Ten hours. Ten oh hell no! No nah, man, I've got a That's three right. and a half. Well, it's it's either that or you drive an, It's either that or you drive an hour each way to the Pensacola Airport, which is just a pain in the ass. So I'm taking that. <laughs> You're getting the Uber. <laughs> I'm taking. I'm taking gotta, it. Yeah, you gotta get no. an Uber or rent a car or something. I've got a. I've got a four hour limit. Like if I'm in Kansas City, I'll hit you to Omaha. I can do that. I can do Wichita. Get out to St. Louis. Do, yeah, yeah, I can get St. Louis easy, baby. I got that for you. Over that, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. I can't. I drove, do it. I drove to Florida once. 
That's just idiotic. That's just stupid. <laughs> it took like 23 hours. It was it's awful. not worth it. Yeah. I recommend it's just it. It's not worth it. You completely well, lose worst, a day in the worst of my life. It's completely unworth it. It's silly. Um, hopefully the Chiefs aren't driving to uh, Arizona or to Phoenix, and maybe they may be jumping on that right now if they're doing that. Listen, I, I you know, everyone, and for good reason, the 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 53 man roster, or as a lot of teams are calling it, the 69 man roster, which I believe Roger Goodell stopped it at 69 on purpose. I mean, he could have he could have taken it to 70. He could have stopped short and added 15 to take it to 68. But now he added 16 uh, extra members to the practice squad to have it at a nice round number of 69 because I believe Roger Goodell is nasty. But since they are at, at 60, a lot of people are looking at the 69-man roster. I you know, I, you know, I'm sure there are some in there that we're surprised that made the team or that got cut, or especially after uh, the cuts initially happened. But overall, overall, BK, what is what does the Chiefs' decisions, how they got down, the players they decided to keep, the players they decided to keep on the practice squad, what what does that tell you? What is, what does that signify to you of what the Chiefs are doing? It shows me that Brett Veach is learning, that he learned from a mistake that he made a year ago where he cut a couple of defensive ends that he thought maybe he could sneak through to the practice squad, and they ended up going elsewhere. And now you look at what they did this year, and what was the biggest surprise? Well, maybe for you it was Shane Bouchelle. Maybe it was Ronald Jones. For me, it was them keeping six defensive ends on the roster and not letting go of one of Malik Herring or Joshua Kando. Well, why'd they do that? because they probably would have lost them via the waivers, and instead they decided to keep them. And man, is there anybody, and I mean literally anybody, that the Chiefs ended up releasing that you feel like they made a mistake in releasing because they were not able to get them back on their practice squad? Because my answer to that is no. There's no, and, nobody and, that they released that I feel like I wish that they were able to get back for their, to their practice squad that did not end up making no, it back. No, they didn't. They did not at all, which is one the the first thing. And and luckily the Chiefs are in a position where, like you, you're thinking that people they potentially were going to release could be such, you know, difference makers or or huge need, like other teams are. But I think that's the first thing is, like you look at names and you go, I, I don't know about you, I'm more surprised of some of the names that are on it, <laughs> like not not like oh God, I'm disappointed they lost them. Like you you said your surprise, my surprise is Ronald Jones. The quarterback situation, I could sense of, all right, quarterback. You're, I mean, you're an injury away from, or or a COVID test away from. Oh God, I got one quarterback. Like I, I think, I think teams are going to have to really rethink things about how they carry quarterbacks because of COVID. Because your backup, because I mean, Chad Henney could walk in there. Oh God, I tested positive for COVID, and now you're stuck with just one quarterback so I think teams are, are looking at that now differently with the quarterback I, I can make sense Ronald Jones I didn't see coming whatsoever Ronald Jones I thought was gone and good as gone hell I think Ronald did I thought that that last game against the Washington uh the Washington commanders I thought they were just kind of showing him off as a uh, or the second or not the last game against the commanders the last game against uh, the hill they play the Packers I thought they were just showing him off to other teams but to the point you're making, it, it, I would think they said to themselves, all right, we kind of want to keep Ronald Jones in the system because we understand how we could run through running backs and hell, maybe from one game to another, we may want to go in a different direction. Is that a guy that we would lose if we cut him? Is that a guy that we can? And I think to the point you're making, these were calculated decisions with each one of these guys. And I respect that. Like, I, I'm. I'm impressed by the job that Brett Veach has done by keeping and accumulating as much talent as possible on, as you mentioned, the 69-man roster. Like, it's not just about, hey, who do you have on your 53? Because do I think that, for example, my guy, Darius Fountain, was done wrong by not being a part of the 53-man roster? Yeah, I, I do. It, it it makes me very upset that he didn't make the final 53. I'm surprised he didn't get picked up by somebody else. They took a chance with that. I'm surprised 
he didn't get snagged. I, I wonder know, if he hell, wanted I to it, be in KC. Like they, they helped him. They, he was on the comeback, and he he had some some tough injuries when he was in Indy. I wonder if he wants to be in KC. No, I, I think he does, but 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 I think he also wants a check. Like Touché. for instance, yeah. Tyler Johnson got cut by the by the Bucks, and I think the Bucks thought they could get him back, and the Texans scooped him up and signed him to their to their roster. Like hey hey, I know y'all love Defoe. But I'm telling you right now, if the Carolina Panthers tried to sign him to to real checks, I don't know. I think I think he wanted to be here for us. I think he specifically made sure to come back to KC because he he's heard what we've said about Dury's Fountain, and he knows there's a fanfare, a Defoe uh, fanfare, if you will, (laughs) in the city of Kansas City. And he knows that those 82 jerseys that he sees in the stands, those aren't for Debo. Those are for Defo. Yeah. And he knew yeah. he's got to stick around. You know, Honestly, it's not, it's not, he's not, he is not passing up. Stop. I think he's a better right. teammate than Debo was. He is Debo not passing. Is a he's teammate. not passing up game checks <laughs> for you two. He did, us. but he know. did, he did tweet out after he got cut. He tweeted out support for Shane Bichelle, yeah. who made the roster over him. And it is weird that Chiefs don't typically keep three quarterbacks, but he was like, I love my guy Shane. Shane's awesome. He worked his tail off to get this, and he deserves it. And that's, that's a real teammate right is. there. Ron, a, I would hope a, that you would treat me or Serta that way. If, if we ended up, you know, something happened and we, we got this unbelievable opportunity and, you know, we had to leave you behind, for example. I hope you would treat us with the same amount of respect that he treated his teammate. Yeah, and I hope you would take it if you have a, <laughs> a, a great opportunity to raise your, to think that, you know what Defoe said, you know what, I don't want, I don't want to take a, a, a deal to be on an actual NFL roster. I want to be on this practice yeah, squad with his a chance opt- to get his options were live in Chicago and play for the bears and that mess or oh, stick with yeah. us and be in Kansas city and potentially catch some passes this year for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the, the options yeah. it's, it's very obvious which one is yeah. a better situation for till we, till we start looking at the game checks to see what that check for a practice squad player is compared to somebody who was on that roster. It's not that it, much now. That's why it's 16. <laughs> no, it, it is that much. No, uh, but no, I, I, I think that's one thing also, we have to look at, and I and I bet you this is the last time we do this. Um, when these roster cuts happen, is the stressing of like, oh my god, this person's gone, this person's gone. Like so much of it is calculated, especially with veterans, that they'll just that they'll come back, right? It, it, you'll jump the gun because I know you two absolutely damn near had a heart attack when Defoe got released and thought it's over, and I just said. Yeah, saw it coming. It, it, hurt, it hurt more than Garrick Dieter getting cut fifteen times. Like it hurt. It hurt more than that. I was more heartbroken for Defoe than GD twelve. Oh, there there hasn't been a release that's hurt me like this one did. Uh, honestly, yeah, in, in the pain, moment, huh? in the moment, yeah. Needed just, another one. Needed another one of them sandwiches and, sh- and cigarettes. J- just just the cigarette this time around. Um, oh, just the cigarette. <laughs> just the cigarette. All I needed. I was, I, I was yeah. also like. I don't know about you guys, but I was really surprised in the moment when I saw, hey, Danny Shelton and Taylor Stallworth, they're both gone. Like, whoa, what what is Brad Beach doing here? Like, he just signed these guys to help fortify your interior defensive line. And again, to your point, Ron, it's like, what matters in training camp? The answer is nothing. Like, not, not the maybe the moral of the story is none of it matters because the dudes that they want to keep around, yep. they're all going to be here come the first week of the season. Now, this could change by midseason. The practice squad will look different than it does today. Some of these guys will get picked off and they'll end up going. And maybe it's even Defoe. I I hope not. I hope he ends up staying here for the rest of his career. But some of these guys will end up signing elsewhere and getting opportunities on active rosters. But when you get to the first week of the season, the reality is if you're good at this, and I think that Brett Veach is now good at it, you're going to be able to keep the vast majority of the players that you want to have on your roster. It's going to be something to watch, though. Like there, there is a completely different philosophy now. Now that you can add veterans to these practice squads, like it's not a fifty-three man roster anymore. They're not looking at it that way. You have the opportunity to bring up players three different times, so you can like almost like in baseball. Sorry, sir. Like in baseball, you can 
you could send someone up and bring somebody down multiple times. You could do it three different times. So if they're playing a, a team that is they're playing the Ravens and they're like, boy, we need Danny Shelton. We need a, you know, a big run presence. Like they literally could make him someone who is active that week and then bring somebody out based on matchups because teams are going to be looking at this from the entire thing, including the practice squad, not the not just the 53. So it's something to really to really look at. I, I think there's one thing that jumps to another thought is, as you said it before, like not individual players, but the amount of defensive ends they kept. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with, I think one, as you said, players they felt like that may get picked off by other teams, but also hell, that's just the position they're going to have to keep numbers at because I think two guys, you know, Dunlop and Frank are two guys that I think they're really going to have to depend on potentially to be guys that play major roles at that position. They both have an injury issue with the Achilles with, with the Carlos Dunlop and then what the hell's see, what the hell is going on with Frank? See, here we go again. Frank, I mean, Frank can't even get to the start line. Man, you got to be kidding me, Frank. He's got you didn't drop all this, you didn't drop all this damn weight. He's dropped all this weight, and now he and now he's still hurt. I mean, obviously the Tums is not working. I just like what even, is like going? I, I'm not I'm not even kidding. Like he gave up liquor in the offseason. Yes. We talked about this last what time. Did, it was like, liquor and something for else. this reason. It was liquor and something else. Was it liquor and Twizzlers? What what was liquor and red meat or something i think it was red it was, he's he's changed his diet quite a bit yeah yes liquor and red meat i'm pretty sure of it and licorice and and I, i'm like and we're still we're still sitting here and he's out and andy's coming up oh he's sick his stomach again like and the part about it can i tell you the part that really frustrates me is just one huh yeah it is the thought though bk inserta is i didn't think coming into this year that he was going to be a player that the Chiefs depended on and needed to to depend on so much that missing time, having injuries like he has, would be so important and would, would take such a hit to this team because they haven't addressed that position well enough. I mean, there is an argument that he is still the second best pass rusher on this team. Right now, especially proven, George Kaloftis, we like what he has done in the in the preseason, but it's not proven. Like, I didn't think that he was going to be that important and that vital to them. And now he he's he's hurting at the start line. And and you and you know, come on right now. What what do you think? Would you would you press the button right now? Or would you would you put money on it that Frank plays 15 games this year? No, I, I would take the under just because, like, at this point, we've we've learned our lesson, right? Taking the over is kind of a fool's errand. I I think that's a – I think part of why they kept the six defensive ends is because they learned their lesson from a year ago. Another part of why they kept six defensive ends is because they know there are legitimate questions on the availability of both Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark. And I think that's a really big deal, man. Those are two guys that you can trust. To your point, Ron, like, I like George Karloftis. I think he's going to be a fun player this year. I think he's got a chance to be very good for them and a very important piece to what they're doing. I think Mark Mike Dana is a perfectly fine rotational piece. He's not a starting level NFL defensive end. He's just not. And that's okay. That's not a shot against Mike Dana. There are a lot of guys like at this point in his career, Leo Chanel, not an NFL starting like 60 plus percent of snaps player. That's okay. He's got a role and he's going to fill it well. He's going to be very good against the run. That's Mike Dana. Mike Dana doesn't have a ton of juice off the edge, but he's going to be a perfectly fine player to come in and play like 30% of the snaps, 25% of the snaps. He'll be good in that role. But that means that you need Frank Clark. You need Carlos Dunlap. And for Frank to already be dealing with these issues with his stomach once again, it's just frustrating. And there's seemingly nothing they can do because he's tried things clearly this offseason to try to make it better. He looks better. I, I, I think that's part of why they're expecting more out of him, man. Like they... They need him because he did take that jump in the preseason that we were expecting to see. No, I, you're right. First off, it, it is not for without him trying, Frank. I mean, he has clearly tried to do things. Hopefully, maybe maybe medication may help, but he's tried to do things to uh, to to stave this off. And right now, I mean, we're there. 
already. Like, and, it, and even if he's not able to play, sometimes you're wondering, like, is he even going to be at his best? I just, I, I did not, I never thought coming into the year that that the Chiefs were going to have to be dependent on Frank. Like, it, it, like I thought Frank would be a good, if he's coming back, he'd be a good compliment, a complimentary piece. He is not a complimentary piece that you just described. Like, he is somebody that they got to have. <laughs> and we're, let's let's do this real quick, Ron. Where would you rank him among the most important players on the defense right now? Like if we were just ranking our most important defensive players as of today for the Kansas City Chiefs defensively, I would say Chris Jones is probably number one for me. Yes. Nick Bolton, number two. And then Justin Reed, three. Frank Clark, four. You think that's fair? I, I like I think Frank Clark's above the linebackers. I, I I just think his so you ability. Think he's two, you think it goes Chris Jones one, Frank Clark two in terms of most important defensive players this year for the I, Chiefs. I think he's top five. Yes, I I just think getting pressure on the quarterback and the ability because because if Frank is playing the way Frank does, it hurts number one because then number one, I mean, you just then you just do everything you can to take out. Chris Jones, if you feel like uh, we can we can handle Frank with any of our tackles, like you just take you take out and and the back end is important, but what helps that back end is the pass rush, especially in this defense up front. Um, yeah, I mean, I was thinking one of the corners maybe, but I I think you can kind of throw all of them, not named Legarius Need though, into a blender. And I, I like Trent McDuffie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but he's still a rookie, and you just don't know what that's going to look like. But that's why I didn't have any of those guys on that list yet. I but think I, Willie Gay might would, be up there. Yeah, I, I just if it just to, in terms of like I think those guys, I think Willie Gay and Nick Bolton have a chance, and even Justin Reed to have more of a production impact to the team, make more make bigger oh. plays. But I just think in terms of importance, you like the Chiefs are going to have a problem if they have one pass rusher. Yeah. The the issue is that right now Frank Clark is a top five member of this defense. And if he is not healthy That's or he issue. goes down in any way, then all of a sudden rookie George Karloftis is a top five important player yeah. on your defense. And that's not a good situation to find a rookie. And I know George has been fantastic in the preseason, but he's still got a lot to prove uh, against all pro left tackles or right tackles in the NFL. Like he, he's still got a lot to prove as a pass rusher and he needs time to develop, especially when you have the hardest schedule in the NFL through the first seven weeks. So yeah, if Frank Clark's not healthy, then all of a sudden, George Karloftis being thrust in this position, it makes me question the entire defense. So, what you're saying about Frank is totally valid. <laughs> I, that, that's what it, that's what it's when I saw him go down and he started missing those days of practice. I said, "Damn it, they're here again, and they're here in and they've gotten themselves in the Frank Clark business." And now it's not just that they're in the Frank Clark business, but they need him. Like it's not a compliment. They need like I was thinking Frank would be to me like McCole Hardman or or you know Clyde. Yeah, you'd like him, but I mean you don't need a luxury, not teams. a necessity. You know what I'm saying? You don't need like he's he, hell on that defense. He's like Travis Kelsey. Whoa, like, whoa, okay. Let, let, I'm just no, I, no. I'm t- no. I'm talking about level of importance. No. I mean, Chris the, Jones is Travis Kelsey. I, I would say Chris Jones is Patrick Mahomes, and I would say that that I'm talking about level of importance to, to the defense. Like they need him to to be like you. You got a you got a major problem. If if Travis Kelsey isn't on this offense, you got a major problem. If Orlando Brown isn't on this offense. You got a you got a major problem right now, if because because who because who's in it? Frank is it? So here, one here's one of those guys thing. you like, just named, Brandon. That's that BK. That's not a starting NFL defensive end. No, I, I'm with you. I like I think it's George Karloftis probably, and I think a big part of this is. Oh, my, I thought he was already starting. 
Carlos Dunlap probably starting opposite. I, I would imagine in day one, if he's, if he's right. And, and that's, and that's why I was going to go to like part of the reason why Frank Clark became such a necessity is because the guy that you did sign as that veteran presence now has an Achilles issue that we just don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, it might be fine. He's back at practice. And so hopefully he ends up being a okay, but we've seen this stuff, right? The, the Achilles issues can linger, and this is something that could sustain for longer than we're all hoping that it does. And if that ends up being the case, now you're starting George Karloftis opposite Frank Clark, and now it ends up being Karloftis and Dana if it's Clark and Dunlap that are potentially hurt or out. And that, that's when you, you get back to where it has been at times in the past where it's like, man, you just don't have a real threat on the outside. And I, I say that as somebody that likes Karloftis, but you need some juice from the outside and Karloftis has all of the tenacity and the energy and all of that, that you could ask for and the power, the juice is still something that he's probably working on. And that's where Frank Clark comes in. That, yeah, that's they, what it, he provides for you. It got so bad last year that they tried to, they tried to trick themselves into believing that Chris Jones moving to the outside was an answer. And we all saw what that, <laughs> that, that messed the whole thing up. You, it's. You, you, I don't think they're above that this year either. Oh well, if, they may. They may. They may. They may not have a choice. I mean, they may not have a choice. They may have to kick. You know, go inside and 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 do that. They may. But that. That's why I think Frank. That's why it was is concerning to me and why it's he's so important. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right. I, I, I do want to say this. Since since camp's over, preseason's over, we know the roster, I think, and they're heading to Arizona September 11th. I got to say, the number one concerning thing for me walking into this year with the Chiefs was, and I know this is going to sound crazy to some, but hear me out. My number one concern was Patrick Mahomes and the receivers. The passing game for the Chiefs was my number one concern. And it is not because I don't think that Patrick Mahomes and that group of Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, McCole Hardman, Martez De- Valdez-Scantling, and Sky Moore, and even you throw Kelsey, all of the, the receivers. It's not that I didn't think that those guys were would be productive with Mahomes. My thing is, after as we just discussed about Frank, as we just discussed about this defense, there have been, I think, some really good pieces. I think Willie Gay is going to – it looks primed to take another step. Nick Bolton looks t- primed to take another step. I actually think you may uh, have a jump at safety because uh, Juan Thornhill looks like he's ready to, to take another step. Hell, on Twitter, he's saying he feels it. It's, a, it's, it's his year. He feels it. 
Justin Reed, I think, is going to be good, and anybody's an upgrade over sorry ass forty nine. But I like I think there's some parts of the defense that that is good, but things haven't changed, right? This offense and the passing game are going to have to be dominant and carry this team like it has in the past. And the only thing that's changed is 10's not there. Like Tyreek Hill is not there, and this is a whole new group. And that was the concerning thing was they got to play almost at that level of the passing game. However, it looks different, but they still have to be a dominant part that carries this team. And I was concerned about that group because you obviously lose talent in 10. And I got to tell you, I don't know how y'all feel. I feel much, much better about this crew than I did walking into it. I feel much, much better about the different pieces. Everybody's got a role. Everybody can do different things. A lot of interchangeable things. You can have some big play guys and not just one, but multiple. You got some guys that can go and, and make catches in the middle of the field, which I know you guys were were questioning and asking for a lot last year. I just think you got a lot of parts and seeing them together in the preseason and watching them play. I feel and in practice, I feel so much better about the Chiefs passing game than I did before camp started. I feel really good about it. Um, I think that they're in a very good spot right now offensively with their pass catchers. And I think to your point, they all have their specific roles. Like I, I have a good idea of where Juju Smith-Schuster is going to win. I think we all know kind of what McCall Hardman's role is going to be in this offense. And it's going to be limited. Like it's not going to be what we were all hoping that it would be whenever he was drafted in the second round. And we need to understand that right now. And that's okay. That does not mean that he's a failure of a draft pick. He can be your like Christian Kirk light. And then this off season, maybe he ends up going and signing somewhere else for a bunch of money. And you say, thank you very much for the four years, McColl. We appreciate everything that you were able to do here. And now we continue to build here in Kansas city, but that, that might be what he is. And that's all right. But you've got guys that can fill very specific roles. And then, Oh, by the way, you've got the alpha with Travis Kelsey. And that's an important part of all of this. And this is why I did push back a little bit on the Frank Clark versus Travis Kelsey notion of just like, I think Kelsey is one of the five to 10 most important non-quarterbacks in the NFL going into the season. I agree. I I think that dude is completely irreplaceable. And if the Chiefs offense were to lose him and knock on wood, hopefully we don't have to ever talk about this. It would completely change the way that I'm talking about what we're saying right now. But because you have him, I love the the fact that you're a deep wide receiver core. I love the fact that you've got guys that can win at different levels of the field. And to that point, I kind of feel that way about the entire roster, Ron. We were talking about this a little bit earlier with, I think that you can just make a case that Brett Veach has gotten better at this. Man, you look at what the draft picks have done. 14 of the last 16 draft picks that he's made over the last two seasons made this roster. Now, some of that is selection bias, right? They drafted the players so clearly they like them and so as a result of that they're going to get more opportunities but not every sixth or seventh round pick makes a team certainly not a team that had as many talented players as this one does they made the team because they earned it Joshua Williams looked awesome in the preseason and somehow he was kind of outplayed by Jalen Watson a seventh round pick in the defensive backfield uh, Darian Kennard I think he might end up moving into the interior, but the dude was a fifth round pick. And if he ends up being an interior offensive lineman that can be your sixth or seventh guy, that's a pretty good draft pick right there. So I just, I think what we're seeing is that this team is more complete, in my opinion, from top to bottom than any team that we've seen since Patrick Mahomes took over as the starting quarterback. I don't think they are as, it's not as necessary for this team to lead the NFL in points as it has been in other years. Yeah, I think at the start of the preseason, I was a little shaky and the way that I was viewing them headed into the season. Like, I was so confident that they were going to figure it out, that Mahomes and Reed would figure it out and they'd win enough games to still be a playoff team and, you know, maybe not win the AFC West a- again because the Chargers are going to be so good, because the whole division's going to be so good. And after the preseason, I'm so impressed with the depth and, and the young players that Brett Veach has added through this draft that I'm just like, 
I mean, I don't feel confident in my Chargers pick anymore. <laughs> like, mm. I, I know the Chargers are... You've been touched that much, huh? It's The Chargers are a very top-heavy team. They're loaded with premier NFL talent that is proven NFL talent. And the Chiefs aren't quite that anymore. They, they don't have the same star power that they've had uh, early on in the Patrick Mahomes era. But everything that I saw from all of these rookies this preseason, and I get it's the preseason, but you just want to see guys who look like they belong. And you saw a bunch of that from this uh, draft class. And I think that's something you should be really excited about. And it's also something that you, this is how you stay relevant with one of the more expensive quarterbacks in the NFL. And then we talk about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, who are still both really young players and how excited I am about how they're going to improve and the roles that they're going to have on this defense. Like this is, in my opinion, these two linebackers are going to, are going to be a linebacking duo. That's the best linebacking duo. The Kansas City Chiefs have had in a long, long time. And I'm just all of a sudden it's if I'm not confident in the Chiefs, it's because I'm trying to find reasons to explain why I shouldn't be confident in them. And I've got a lot less reasons to not be confident in them. now. Well, listen, I think it is completely fair. uh, The point you guys are making of this is the most maybe complete uh, roster where it's just like you, you could argue when healthy that. Yep. That guy could start on more than half the teams in the league at his position. Maybe he's not a star, but he is a he is he is a guy that is a a starter somewhere. And I don't know if they've always had that, but I think it's also fair to say that they that also means they are they have less just difference makers. Just a man things are down and that dude can just go make a play like they, they and, and you need that and i'm not but saying they don't than, have here, any here's a question here's a question for you ron other than tyreek and i know that's a big like other than you know one of the best wide receivers of the last 20 years what are we talking about here like but in all seriousness other than 10 who else do you feel like they are lacking that fit into that criteria that they don't have on this team like I, I I thought I thought Tyron Matthew fit that I I think I thought by and, last and, year you did no he, like he wasn't as good as last year at last year but I but I still thought he was somebody that could just come up can can come up with his instincts could just go like make a play can go get I a think by the end of the go. year we'll look at Justin Reed and say that's a and better we, player than what we saw I, last year from I, Matthew and, and, and we may over o- overall we and we may now. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I love Justin Reed. I covered Justin Reed. Justin Reed has not played to the level of Tyron Matthew. I think he now, played he to the level his... of last year, Tyron. And, and yeah. that, like that, I, I want to kind of disconnect what last year's Tyron Matthew was from the year prior. Because the year prior, Tyron Matthew was a legit all-pro type of player. But I don't think he was that guy anymore by last season. I, th- I, I just still think he had the ability to make – to come up with those type plays. Like against – you know, the Ravens early in the year, you know, to, you know, to get a pick, uh, get a pick six like he did or, or, you know, big hit, big sack. He, he just had a knack to do that. I think you lost a guy, me personally. I think you lost someone on both sides of the ball that over the last three, four five, or even longer with Tyreek years that were just guys that had a knack to make big plays that were difference makers. And I think you have, you potentially have less of that. Right, and I I think now last year wasn't with Frank, but but even years past, Frank had more of an ability to sometimes like we saw in the Super Bowl year come off the edge and come out of nowhere. Then he he gets pressure that we hadn't seen in a long time. I just think you lose ten and thirty two were guys I thought were ten much more consistent, but thirty two still had knacks of just coming up with plays, coming up with things through instincts or just sheer. God-given talent. And I think you you do lose some of that. And and especially with, with both of them, their presence uh, also enhanced other people to be able to, to play. Like there are times where, you know, obviously Tyreek enhanced, you know, uh, openings for 
McCole Hardman or enhanced openings for other players like Travis Kelsey. Like that, that is just a difference there, but they are more role wound. It, it could go many ways because we watched the Patriots lose difference makers like that, but change the way their roster is and be, and be more well-rounded and then still be as effective. We watched it. Hell, they didn't win a Super Bowl with Randy and Wes Welker. They did, however, win a Super Bowl with Gronk and with James White and Rex Burkhead, how they handled their, their running backs and different things like and Edelman. So, I mean, you could be more well-rounded. I'm just saying, like, if we're going to say they're more well-rounded, we also have to understand the point of they 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 do have less difference makers, just flat-out guys that could just change the game. I think what you were saying about the Patriots there and like Gronk and that cast of players, like I think that's exactly what my thought process was because like that's the whole part, part of my worry was like the lack of an alpha wide receiver is a little concerning, but they have depth there and, and they have guys that I think can just be solid contributors and guys that just, maybe they don't have a guy like Tyreek Hill. Like I think back to, that Ravens uh, game a few years ago where Patrick Mahomes just totally threw it across his body and Tyree kill is just there because he always seemed to be there when you needed something like that. And you're like, who on this team is that guy? And I, I, I don't know who that is at this point. I don't know if they have that guy. Maybe it's going to be sky more. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that it's not going to be Juju or MVS, but those guys are starting caliber NFL players that you can rely on and they'll be able to contribute to your team. But the way that Patriots offense funneled everything through Gronk, I think they can do that with Travis Kelsey, which is still an advantage that other NFL teams just simply don't have. So it makes me less worried when you've got much better depth overall at the wide receiver position than you did last year, where it was Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson. Like Hmm. I feel much more confident in this group. And then you still have Travis Kelsey, who you can rely on to just be that guy. When you need something to happen, just go to Kelsey. Yeah, let's not forget by midseason, Ron, teams had adjusted to the point where it was no longer Kel- or Kelsey still did it, but Tyreek go make a play because they had basically taken away all of the big time plays that Tyreek could make with the way that they were playing against the Chiefs. So Tyreek had been neutered to the place of, hey, run three yards, turn around, we're going to get the ball into your hands and hopefully you can make something happen with yards after catch. This year, like the guys that are going to be in that role, they don't have the same juice, of course, that Tyreek Hill does. But I believe that Juju Smith-Schuster can have that exact same role, and he's going to be effective in said role. And I think that because you have also Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Justin Watson in Sky Moore out there, that's going to make you more effective, and it's going to make it more difficult for teams to play that way against you. And then on top of all of that, let's also not forget that when the Chiefs played against the Bengals, who was it? that was getting the targets late in that game when they needed to go drive. It was Demarcus Robinson, man. Your third, I'm with you, but your third and fourth pass catchers are going to have to make plays for you. And there will come a point in time where another team will say whether it, it has been in the past, Bill Belichick, and this year, who knows who it's going to be. Maybe it'll be the Ravens. Maybe it'll be the Bills, who's somebody. They will say, if they still had Tyreek, you are not beating us with Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. Somebody else is going to have to do it. And I, I believe that they've got the guys right now to be able to do that. So I, I am believing in it. I think we're all on the same page here, even though we are like discussing the, the subtle differences of what that could mean for them. But I also just believe like those, you got to have a play, go make a play type of guys. I think they now exist on the defensive side of the ball. Like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, I think are going to be those guys for you this year. I think Justin Reed's going to be that guy for you this year on the defensive side of the ball. And I think there's a real chance that Juju is going to be that guy for you at wide receiver. I think he has a chance to be an alpha as a like legit number two pass catcher, even though he's not considered to be a number one wide receiver. So I, I I like all of those guys to be able to step up in that role that you're talking about. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, uh, I think you know with with them neutering Tyreek to an extent, like it opened up a whole lot of other shit because they felt like they had to they had to. It did, but they didn't have the receivers to be able to make up for it. Yeah, but uh, but it even opened up shit for Kelsey. Even opened up shit like it it opened up stuff. 
I'm sorry for cussing so much. It opened up stuff for them. I don't. I, I don't I give, know. I give you one, two. Come on, three, three times. <laughs> I had to. I, I, listen, they, they can take it. Uh, Not gonna slap it with an explicit tag. Which I don't. Which I don't know. Or just take it out. God, man. Which I. Which. Hell, I don't know if teams feel like they got to do that anymore. Uh, like, which means I think teams can maybe push more towards Kelsey. Like, when I say go make a play, and with everything they did, like I think of two of the big games they had: the game against the Chargers on Thursday Night Football. Like, their two guys, Kelsey and, and Hill, just went and made plays, and against Buffalo in the playoff game, their two guys, especially Tyreek Hill. Hey, man. We're down, throw it, and I'm just gonna go sixty to the damn house on it. Like, like, just go. Like, Pat, Patrick didn't have to make up. Like, they just threw a damn seven yard route, and that dude, that like, that's not there anymore. And then, and, and it may, it may come. Like, it may come back to being there, but that's that's a that's a difference that we have to understand uh, isn't there. And hopefully, those guys on the defensive side of the ball are are guys that are that are difference makers and changers, like you're saying, Willie Gay, who definitely has the ability, and Justin Reed, who could step into that that space. But as of now, I I, I don't think they're those guys. Uh, speaking of this, we, we can't get out of here because this is this is one of the greatest segments in all of podcasts. A little here, hit the music, sir. A little certified or imposter. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. That's right, baby. We're bringing it back. Before the season started, now training camp is out. You're talking about difference makers. And I'm telling you what, boy, all camp. We were talking. We were hearing, oh, boy, the Chiefs may have them a new difference maker. Oh, man, they might have a get-out-of-the-way Tyreek Hill. They got a new number 10. This year's first question to ask, is he certified or an imposter? Is Isaiah Pacheco? Which is he, fellas? Which is he? Come on, Serta. Is he certified or imposter? He is a tentative imposter. Um, oh, the hell! Maybe that? he's certified. I'm not willing to put him there just yet. I think he's got potential. I'm excited for him to see his role in the offense and see it grow throughout the season, but. I'm not super confident that he's going to have the type of role that he's been hyped up to have. And I, part of that is fantasy football because we overlook Clyde and Jarek McKinnon and just say, here's this new young shiny toy and everybody wants him to be incredible. And everybody wants to be right about him being a sleeper in fantasy football. I think he's got plenty of potential. I'm super excited to see him play. I just think he's going to get brought into the offense a lot slower than we are really believing right now. So I'm not ready to just crown him yet. I think Isaiah Pacheco's talent is certified. I think Isaiah Pacheco's production will indicate this year that he is an imposter. Um, I am so excited about what he's going to be long-term. I kind of have the same opinion on this as Serta does. Long-term, I think Pacheco is going to be a good player for the Chiefs. But I think we saw as the preseason continued that there are still things that he needs to work on. His vision is not at the level where you would like it to be. Um, he's going to take some time getting into this offense to be fully embraced by the coaching staff. And I think if you had to guess today, like who is the the grinder back that's going to get the, the role on first and second down? Number one is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, unfortunately, because he made the team. Number two is probably Ronald Jones, who is the third down back. I think number one right now is Jarek McKinnon. And then number two, it's probably Pacheco and Clyde battling for those snaps. There's just not enough opportunities that exist in that backfield right now for Pacheco to have a real significant role. I like him. I think the talent is real. But if you ask me today, Isaiah Pacheco, imposter certified. Unfortunately, he's an imposter. See, he's the um, he's the type. He's an imposter, flat out. Uh, but he's the type of imposter that gets you in trouble. He's the type of imposter that 
will ruin somebody's life. <laughs> he's the type of he's the type of imposter where you think, hey man, dude, this is a nice sales pitch. This person's giving me. I'm thinking about leaving my job to go over to this company. And then six months later, they go out of business and you're stuck and left your other job that you had because he's you not because you believed in, in his talent. You saw his talent that is certified as PK said, and then he just you just misjudged him and it and it, it didn't come out the way you thought it would. Like I think he's got a chance potentially we revisit this at some point to be a uh, certified returner. I think that I think there's a yeah. potential there, but overall, no nah, man, he's the kind of dude that gets you in trouble because you see that talent and he'll 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 make one play and 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 start to and that's how you get fired. You make one play and then he'll <laughs> it, it start tricking you. And tricking you, and you chase it, right? You're chasing you that high chasing again. It, yeah. You're hoping that it's going to be there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, man. Dexter McCl- Dexter McCluster made one play, and now Todd Haley's just chasing and chasing and chasing, and that's how you get yourself fired, right there. It's I've leaned more into like he's just Nile Davis, <laughs> like now, like on, the man. athleticism and the speed. I'll take Nile Davis right now. Nile Davis made plays for the Chiefs, like he was an explosive kick returner, and he could step in and carry the bulk of the carries. Now, I hope that Isaiah Pacheco winds up being a better player than Niall Davis uh, and and actually turned out being, but I just think that the hype was so built up during training camp. There's no way he's ever going to live up to it this season. No, I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. But you never know if we revisit this. Um, I think they will find a package for him. We'll just see, as, uh, as you said, PK, how much... Uh, he'll be able to be used. All right. Game day coming up September 11th as they travel to Arizona. And uh, next week we'll be talking about a game. We'll see if they can uh, they can get back their quest to a Super Bowl. So, uh, Hey, Ron, before we get out of here, um, should, should we do a prediction for the Bills versus the Rams game? Because next time we talk, uh, it's going to be, be – a it, it will have already been played. Bills are going to smash them. Bills are going to smash them. Two and a half point line in favor of the Bills on the road. 38-17 Bills. Showing PK on the Chiefs. 27-23 Bills. Are out. <laughs>